Hi everyone and welcome back. How's your week been? Now, today's guest has been on the podcast before, all the way back in season one, where he was talking about compartmentalization. But we wanted to give you guys a second dose of NBA skills coach and shooting legend Chris Matthews. Now, Chris was only eight when he first stepped onto a basketball court, and he's been on the go since then, playing all over the world, mentoring some of the biggest players in the game, and setting various shooting records. Not only is he a champion basketball player, he's also a pro when it comes to the role mental skills play in not only his, but also his clients' performance. Now, when you listen to this interview, I want you to keep in mind that Chris spoke to us about compartmentalization, which is honestly not just a technique, but also such a valuable skill to have. It entails the ability to set aside distracting emotions and focus on the task at hand. It can help us all to move through personal struggles while keeping up with the day-to-day demands that life throws at us. This is definitely true for Chris, who shares a really moving account of navigating difficult times while also juggling the pressure of a high-powered career. But I let you listen for yourself. Hi, my name is Chris Matthews. A lot of people know me as Lethal Shooter, NBA skills coach and um, content creator and uh, like a mastermind of shooting. What I do is, uh, is credible to all the top athletes in the world, so I consider myself athlete is just on the back end. I am a trainer. When I was growing up, my dad would call me lethal. And uh, my best friend, he was telling me about Instagram. He was telling me about social media. And I was like, man, I, I'm not about to do this. So he's like, no, just make a page. You shoot too good. Let's do some shooting videos. So I was like, what do I name myself? We was just coming up with crazy names. And I was like, you know what? Lethal. But it was just like, it didn't sound cool. You know what I mean? Then me and Boomshay was like, lethal shooter. I mean, it's just been a blessing to just come up with such a creative name and for people around the world to know who I am and to just understand that I believed in this brand since day one. But my greatest mental strength is being focused through adversity. I do a good job of blocking out all the noise so I don't allow certain things that's going on negative around me to affect my goals. So a small example is if I was coming here and my tire was the bus, I wouldn't come into the interview with a bad attitude or I wouldn't um, take it out on other people. I do a good job of being focused on my goal and that's just giving out good energy and trying to do my best to perfect the things that I put my mind to. At a young age, uh, I learned it from my dad, um, one of my mentors, Coach Nut, because I did used to get like really frustrated, especially playing for number six boys and girls club. I used to get really frustrated and my dad would say, why are you frustrated? I said, I missed a shot. He was like, that's a part of the process. So once I start realizing that sometimes the negative things are good for you to learn to be the best and it can turn into positive, you know, then I learned how to not bottle in the frustration because it can blow, but like to just use the frustration to get better. So I was really, really young. Uh, we were playing at Coolidge High School, but it was a boys and girls club championship game. And uh, I was playing really, really bad. Like I was really, really nervous, shooting air balls, doing bad, real frustrated. And I, and I think I was yelling out loud to just cover it up that I was nervous. And that's when Coach Jarrell was like, look, we don't care if you're missing. Just don't be frustrated because you're going to mess the team up because we look up to what you do. Relax and shoot the basketball. So the second half of that game, I was just free. You know, I really wasn't frustrated at my mistakes and I played great. 
I've never really been kicked out of a game, but my coaches did used to pull me out of games when I used to miss and put my head down. And that was something that my dad helped me with as well. It's like sometimes you're going to miss in life, not even with just basketball. You're going to miss with getting a job or you're going to miss with different opportunities. But you should never put your head down if you're putting in the work. And I used to do that a lot, even all the way up to high school. We won three out of four championships in high school. And I was lucky enough to always play on the top teams uh, in the nation. But I was always hard on myself. And every time I would miss and put my head down, my coaches would always take me out of the game. Don't you ever put your head down. You're one of the best shooters in the nation. You get back in there, you keep your head up, and you keep shooting that basketball. And that's something that I still use to this day, training my clients. It might be a Lakers client or a Bucks client or Orlando Magic client. It doesn't matter if you're missing. There's 20,000 people in front of you. Just worry about the next shot. That's how you should look at life. Those missed shots are going to happen. Nobody's perfect. There's no human in the world right now that's perfect. But if you're able to use those situations to continue to grow, you can be the best person um, that you turned out to be. That's why I'm really good at being a great coach because I live through certain moments that I'm teaching people for shooting the basketball. Before high school games, I realized when I didn't listen to like certain type of music, I played really good. So I try to listen to like calm music like Sade or certain type of like oldies and goodies so it can just relax me. Um, I realized that like I couldn't eat a lot of food before my games. So it was like certain things that I was mentally getting myself ready for. And that's what you need to do. If you want to be great, you need to find out what helps you stay locked in. And those were the things that I realized before games that helped me like don't overeat, listen to soothing music and work on just breathing and being calm. Because when I didn't control my breathing, I really played bad. And I, I realized the anxiety can kick in. Because I played in games, especially in college, where there's 15,000 people. I played overseas where there's a lot of pressure. I played in big games, but I realized when I was controlling my breathing as well, it helped me get through those moments. So in basketball, there are certain times to breathe a deep breath. There are certain times to um, do certain type of philosophies. Of course, before a big game, you could take a regular breath in your nose out of your mouth. But there are certain things that I teach my clients, um, like a Bobby Portis, like a Grayson Island, like a Sabonis for the Sacramento Kings on how they calm themselves down when it's a big moment. These are things that I teach my clients only because I went through it as well. And when I didn't use those type of philosophies with my breathing, I, I really shot very bad. I played bad because breathing, everything aligns with the, your brain, your body, your hands, your toes. So when I was realizing that, wow, like, this when the ball was coming this way and I came off this down screen and I come off this flare if I breathe like this this is what can happen it really helped relax me to shoot the jump shot like the other day on live I made like 53s in a row but the reason why I'm able to do that is because once I make a shot my brain recycles that it, I didn't make a shot but you got to make another shot and once my anxiety starts kicking in um, to control that that's when I just try to find peace in my mind try and find peace in my breathing so like if somebody's out there and they're going into a job interview and they feel like they're going to fail, I'm not trying to say to like, you know, breathe, but like, you know, whatever you use, just make sure it's just you. It doesn't matter if somebody's honking a horn around you. It doesn't matter if there's negative things going around. You just focus on getting that job and focus on accomplishing that goal. So with me, if I was going into a job interview or something like that, that's what I would do. I would probably just sit in the car, relax myself, breathe. You got this. This is what you've been working for. And I'm never negative. There's nothing that I do that I'm like, oh, man, like maybe this doesn't work or maybe. No, it's it's going to work. There's a time and a place you have to use certain things and bottle them up to use them at that moment. 
So a good example is Mike Tyson and Muhammad Ali. So if you look at Mike Tyson's, his background is what helped him when he was in the ring. He used that as momentum. Muhammad Ali, when he got in the ring, he used that everybody was against him during that time. So when I'm on the court, I just think about where I come from and, and who I'm doing this for. Before I had a family, I was doing this for my mom and dad and for my friends in my neighborhood to show them, like, look, bro, we can make it out. You know, I can do this. I can be the first person in my family to graduate from college. So, like, when it was time to cut on that type of crazy tick, I have certain things that I bottled up to use at that moment because certain times you can't use that. You know what I mean? There's certain times in basketball and in life that you have to be calm, but there's certain times that you have to turn that kick on. Um, let's say you're a runner and you're at the last sprint and you're really tired. Are you going to quit or are you going to think about when you're in middle school and your coach was yelling at you saying that you can get through it? Now you're in the Olympics. So you can use those certain type of things as motivation and positive influence to get you over the mountain. And that's what I do. Like I use certain things. I think about certain traumas or certain things that I went through in life that helped me to get where I am today. And I use those to like run through mountains. That's the advice that I give my clients. I know you make a hundred million dollars. I know you have $200 million and I know you have the world, but that's nothing. But like, if you really want to be the best, you got to look back when you didn't have nothing. That's why we work hard. We work hard for those moments. But if you don't know what your why is and what helps you stay locked in, you'll never be successful. Growing up, I had mentors that was telling me that I was prepared for these type of moments. I had mentors that weren't negative with me. And if somebody is listening to this and they do have people that are negative to them, that's why we're doing this um, right now and let them know that they can make it. They can do it. And it's not always going to be overnight. Like sometimes instead of one year, it might take three years, you know, but it all depends on what you're going to do with your life. How consistent you're going to be? How hungry are you going to be? So whatever your why is and whatever helps you stay locked in, don't let it give you anxiety. Don't let it uh, make you like, I really want this so bad. That's negative energy. Like, of course, if you're by yourself and you're working out or something and you need to let it out, scream. But when you're in that moment, that's not the moment to do it because you'll lose it if you do that good example is like run the racks. When I was going around run the racks, I was really excited. I don't show it, but my body just jumped out of my skin, but I'm able to control those type of anxieties until it's done. If that makes sense. When it's done, let it out. But when you're in the moment, you have to have an even balance. If you look at Michael Jordan, if he hit a game winner, he's not celebrating during the shot. He's only focused on that rim. So those are great examples that of people that just understand the moment, you know. And if you want to be great, you have to understand the moment, the when and the where to handle those type of emotions. And sometimes when agencies or a team or the player wants to hire me, they're asking me questions like, how do you think we can get this person to go from 25% to 40%. So I'll watch film and I'll see what's distracting them. And then when I see them in person, I'll see what's distracting them. And all I'll do is take what I used to do wrong and give them what to do right, if that makes sense. How many people have shot in front of 17,000 people and 10 million watching on TV? So it's more like me coming in to teach the person how to deal with those type of moments and make the right, correct changes to their jump shot, to their footwork, to their mental, to the way they hold the basketball. So... Those are different things that I'm able to teach as well, because once I see certain traits that somebody does from practice to the game, you know, some people like to bite their nails. Some people, when they're sitting on the bench, they're pulling on their pants. So it's that stuff that I study as well. So, okay, this is when he's nervous. The game's on the line. He might get caught like this. I'll take notes and all that type of stuff. Just me watching you very closely and me making those changes. And it's a blessing that those people have been successful so far. In high school, I actually sprained my MCL. 
it was a really, really bad injury. So I had to wear that like stone cold brace that goes from your thigh all the way down to your calf. And I was really embarrassed. You know what I mean? I was like, I look crazy out here. So the first few shots, I was like shooting bad because I was caring about what people thought about the brace. So one of my teammates, he's like, bro, forget that brace. You don't look crazy. You're Chris. I wasn't a lethal shooter at that time. It was like, just shoot the basketball. Don't worry about what other people think about you. And I had to wear that brace for like 20 games. But in those 20 games, I shot the basketball. Some of the best shooting I've ever did in my life because I, I didn't care what other people thought. So I feel like those type of situations helped me because I've been through so much that a lot of people don't know about. And I had to do it in front of big crowds. I might be in a situation that somebody might have been killed around my neighborhood. But the next day I got to go to school. I got to uh, go play basketball. I got to do these certain things. I can't go on the basketball court and just have a meltdown in front of everybody. But it's okay to have a meltdown by myself or with some friends to get over it. Yes. But there's a time and place for everything. You have to realize some of the best people in the world, they're great at what they do because they can block out um, those type of things. So if you look at Michael Jordan or you look at Kobe Bryant, they were good at blocking out everything around them when they stepped on the wood to play basketball. And that's what I'm able to do with my shooting. I'm able to block out every single thing. But the good thing about me, I'm able to teach it. So there's a lot of people that are great at certain things, but they're not really good teachers. And my teaching comes from different people that help me. And I'm just literally giving them the philosophies that my dad and Coach Nud gave me growing up. So like one of my best friends, his name was Idris. We grew up together our whole life. He actually got killed. I mean, it, not to sound like there's no empathy, but it's the way of life in Washington, D.C., it sucks, but like those type of situations happen. You have to continue to keep moving forward. You don't have time to just sit in it for too long. So the next day I went to workouts and I saw Coach Nuts is drilling me. So I'm like, damn, get, give me a break. And he was like, I understand what's going on, but you have to do this. You have to do that. So I would say about 30 minutes into the workout, I started getting back to myself. We don't know when a family member might die. We don't know when a, a best friend might die, but you can't hold yourself back. When my father died, I was in a situation, you know, for like three weeks, like, man, F life. This is not fair. But I'm thinking, why would I have that mindset where this is the same guy that pushed me to be great, that pushed me in football, that pushed me in baseball, that pushed me in basketball? Will he want me grieving like this? No, he would want me to represent him in a light. So it's like when I do things now, I can say, look, this is all for Jeffrey Winslow. Just keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. Those are small situations that I can use. But what situations can you use? literally use all those situations to continue to move forward because it's the second you find yourself taking step back or or staying in that grief that's when it turns bad that's when you go into a sunken place but it's okay to grieve that's that's the way I deal with things I'll go to the basketball court I'll do certain activities but if you want to grieve cool but understand you got to get out of that to continue to move forward my dad did a good job of talking to me about stuff like this. So when those situations happened with other friends that I grew up with, my dad was always there for me. Coach Nutt was always there for me to continue to tell me to keep moving forward so I could tell my story to the world. So if it wasn't for me to continue going, I wouldn't be on this podcast to say Idris' name. I wouldn't be on this podcast to say my dad's name. So that's another good example of my why and why I'm staying locked in because I want these stories to live on forever. This is what people understand about NBA guys. Somebody might shoot bad and a fan of like, oh, that person sucks. But they don't know the night before the person grandmother might have died. And after the game, he might have to get on the plane to go somewhere to see towards a situation. So I'll say to a client, which I've had a client where a situation like happened, was wrong? Man, this is what happened. Hey, man, I remember when blah, blah, blah happened to me. But you got a game. Like, you need to focus on this. You need to focus on that. Then after that game, 
you can think about that. But unfortunately, you're on the wood right now and it's time to focus on the game. And that's the way my dad used to talk to me. And he was really big on me staying focused. So he was just always on me hard. And it was love, but it was really aggressive. And that's why the slogan, stay locked in, it didn't come from him. But it's kind of like, I would say, a push from his words to just, you know, it doesn't matter what's going on around you. It doesn't matter if it's negative. It doesn't matter if people are saying you can't make it. You need to focus on what you need to do for yourself. When my grandmother died, he didn't tell me it's like the fourth day. And I was like, why didn't you tell me when it first happened? He was like, well, I was trying to protect you because you had a lot going on. You've been doing great and I didn't want you to lose focus. And I was like, then why did you wait to tell me now? And he was explaining to me why and when, how he did certain things with me. You know, he always did a good job of protecting me to, to shield me. And that's why to this day, when certain situations happen, I do a good job of coping because of how he protected me. And, and those are little moments where he's just was telling me it's OK as a man as well to cry. In today's society, they say you don't have to cry as a man or something like that. Look, if, if you're a man out there and, and you're doing what you need to do and something happens, it's OK to let it out. And it's OK to talk to other men that's, that have been through what you've been through to just let it out, if that makes sense. So a lot of people feel like they should cope and handle it by themselves the most successful people in the world. They do a good job of balling it up, but letting it out when it's needed because it's okay to let it out. It's okay to, you know what? I'm having a bad day. Let me go for a bike ride. Let me go for a drive. Let me call my grandma. Like, let those moments out because if you let it out, it'll make your life that much better. That's what the blessing that I think I bring to my clients. It's not always just about basketball. My clients can call me any time of the night. Um, one of my clients, Catavius Caldwell Pope, the other day um, when I was in Denver with him for a week, we sat in the car and talked for like a whole hour. When you're around athletes that trust you to help them with their craft, sometimes they might want to talk about other things. And it's your job to be there for them because they have so many people that want things from them. They're going through deaths in the family. They're going through so much. Sometimes you got to be that person that you can just talk to them as well, because it's not just about basketball. I want them to be better people. I want them to, of course, hit their jump shots in the game. But other than that, you know, I want them to just know that I'm always going to be there for them. If I had a client that called me at three in the morning and want to talk, I'm going to get out of bed and talk to that person. And that's what a lot of people have to understand. Um, top athletes, they are humans and they go through the same thing that we all go through. And if people only knew what they went through and still are able to entertain People will sometimes like, let me back off this game a little bit or something like that. Well, my dad, he, he was in the same situation I was in. His real dad wasn't in his life. So the person that raised him um, showed him how to play football. He showed him how to do certain things. And I think that's why my dad did so great with me, because I was like a representation of his story as well. And he had strong men around him as well to help him get through his situation because he's opened up to me. Uh, before he died, how he felt about his real father. And I was like, dang, that's how I feel about my real dad as well. And he was like, there's nothing wrong with having those feelings, but understand that is your real father and you wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. So I think that's why he was such a good dad because he understood how it was to be in the streets. He understood how it was to try to play sports in D.C. with distractions on the corner, people getting shot. Everything that I went through, he went through in life. And I, my mom, she was where she was because my grandfather was a preacher in North Carolina and my grandmother was the first lady. So their whole life, they're devoting it to other people. And the first time that I met my grandparents when I was younger, I still remember I walk into this house in North Carolina and these people greeted me like they've known me for 50 years. I'm four years old and I'm like, dang, like this is pretty cool. And as I got older, I started realizing this was God's plan. He put me around these people so I can be who I am in life. And he put me around these people to spread the type of love.
being with my grandparents in North Carolina every summer. I used to have to help at church conventions. I used to have to give out plates of food. I used to have to sweep up the floors at the church. I used to sing in the choir. And when I was young, I sometimes I did hate it because all my other friends, they're back in D.C. They're living their best lives. But my parents was taking me down there so I could understand what it is to serve to others and be in the church. And I feel like that's something that really helped me with my life as well, because, you know, if it wasn't for my grandparents and Stephanie and Jeffrey um, instilling those certain things in me, I definitely wouldn't be who I am today, especially in today's society. I started a foundation in my dad's name, the Jeffrey Winslow Foundation. It's definitely like a dream come true. So like my main goals right now, I just want to give back to my neighborhood. I want to be that one where the kids like, oh man, like lethal shooter from my neighborhood, blah, 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 lethal shooter from DC. So like, uh, you know, with the help of Red Bull and other sponsors in DC, they've been helping me do certain things in the neighborhood. We've renovated like three basketball courts. We've been um, helping with basketball programs. We've been doing different things to give back to the community. And the reason why I'm doing that is because my dad was always never self-centered. You know, uh, the one thing about him, he was always about helping others. And when I was younger, I'm like in my head, like, damn, man, you need to focus on me. You're helping everybody. You know what I mean? But as I got older, I realized that's what life's all about. You know, if you have $10 and somebody needs help and you can give them five, give them five. But like, I think what's going on not really well in society today, I don't feel like a lot of people care about other people. Of course, care about yourself when you're reaching a goal or doing certain stuff. I mean... If you see somebody homeless out there or something and you have food in your hand and you have food at home, just give it to that person. That's what my dad was always about. He was always taking calls. He was always helping other people. And that's why my whole brand, Lethal Shooter, if you follow my page, everything is motivational. Every single day I'm trying to put out positive energy to the world because the world needs it. And that's what I learned um, from my dad and my mom. So she's heavy in the church. She's done great things. She was always there for me through all the hardest times. I wouldn't be where I am today if they didn't instill that type of mindset in me because, you know, I'm blessed to have millions of people to know who I am. And I'm going to continue to push this message of staying locked in and staying focused and helping others so it could just be a better world. But the one thing I'll never do with my brand is like, if you say something negative on my page, I'm never going to take my time to say something negative back to you because now I'm becoming you, if that makes sense. I'm not really the type that's just going to go back and forth with you. If you want to be negative, cool, I'll get out of your way. So I really do a good job of that on social media. And I think a lot of people need to master that as well. If you're on social media and you're a positive person and somebody says something negative about you, cool, it's fine. Block that person and continue to move on. Don't find yourself going back and forth on social media with other people because now that's negative energy and that's tension. You're wasting energy. You're wasting your time with people that really don't matter. I've had people where I block them and they try to email me. It's like, oh man, I'm sorry. I was only doing that to get your attention. And I'll email them back where that's the wrong way to get my attention. And then I'll block them on email because that's not the way you get somebody's attention. You have to be positive. Like a year ago, I was sitting in the house and I looked at a straw and I'm a little crazy. So I was like, I think I can make a paper ball through a straw from the length of an entire table. And my friends are like, oh, you're crazy. You're not going to be able to do it, blah, blah, blah. But I knew I was going to make it. I mean, it was far. It was hard. But I knew from my mental that I can make this shot. Of course, it wasn't easy, but you can't be negative. You can't doubt. As soon as you doubt, you're going to fail. So I tried it once and it was really off. And I was like, I can do this. So I tried it for a few months. So the time that I made it, I was so in shocked. I didn't show any facial expression. Just to walk over to lift it up and praying that it was in there. And when I saw that it was in there, I couldn't be loud because it was like five in the morning in my house. So I literally 
did this every single day from like eight o'clock to like five in the morning. So when it went in, I wanted to scream. And then when I did it, the internet went crazy. People were trying it. But it was like to inspire people to just even think like that. You know, it's just a dream come true. During the pandemic, I was like coming up with the craziest stuff. And that's when, you know, Sports Center, House of Highlights, Red Bull, they did a good job of just showing my creativity. And I was just doing things that I'm going to be honest, I, I didn't even think I was this creative. But the pandemic just pulled something out of me that now is still in me to this day. Run the Racks was a, a record that we did. It was me and Red Bull say, hey, let's break the world record. I was training from like 9 p.m. to like 6 in the morning. You know, uh, it was 23 out of 25. I did it in 66 seconds. And it was tough, but I'm a lethal shooter and I could do anything I put my mind to. It's a blessing because in the NBA, the top shooters, I look up to them and they know me as well. You know, when I did it, like Steph Curry said something, Ray Allen said something, Craig Hodges, Allen Houston, Rip Hamilton, and, and Reggie Miller. I mean, these are like the best shooters ever. It was like a tearful moment because to have them say, wow, like this guy can really shoot, but it's just priceless. So definitely stay tuned because I'm definitely looking to do other things to exceed that. And that's why... I'm able to be who I am because I'm, I'm just never satisfied. I'm not where I want to be. And I know once I get there, I'm still not going to get satisfied. So when I get there, hmm, this is pretty cool. Next job. And I'm not looking at breaking world records or people like, oh, man, you're one of the best shooters in the world or you're one of the best trainers in the world. You know, it goes in one ear and out the other. I mean, you can have those moments. Like three days ago, I was online. I was like, man, let me just Google myself because I never take in what I really did. And I was like, wow, I have my own Jordan shoe. I'm signed with Red Bull. Like I'm doing activations for Nike. I was in GQ magazine. And then I was like, oh man, that's pretty cool. And then I go back to studying YouTube. So I go on YouTube and watch different videos of different athletes or different motivational speakers. So you can have those moments, but you can't stay stuck in that moment because if you want to be great, you can't think about what you did in the past. You got to think about the present. You know, in life, there are transitions. And I feel like every transition is a transition to learn. I was a janitor before. I worked in sports gyms where I only made like $8 an hour. I was a teacher's assistant in Merlin where everything the teacher needed, I was there to help them with the students. And I never looked at those as steps down. I looked at those as moments that God put in my life for me to learn. So if you're in a situation and it's like, oh, man, I want to make it to the NBA or I want to make it to the NFL, but that doesn't happen. That doesn't mean you're a failure. If you know you gave it all you had and you didn't make it, it is what it is. God has another plan for your life. You know, growing up, I've always wanted to make it to the NBA, but to train NBA owners, to train the NBA players, to having a TV series with the NBA, to being at the NBA draft last year. It's just like God just saying, hey, man, I got your back. Keep pushing. I mean, I'll take this right here. This is awesome. This is a dream come true to do what I'm doing, especially with the help of Red Bull. It wasn't easy. I've had my down moments as well. It's okay to have those down moments, but I was able to get myself back up and to keep pushing. So if anybody's out there feeling like they're not where they want to be in life, don't look at it as you fail. Just look at it as another stepping stone for you to get where you need to go. What an incredible guy. I'm so glad we were able to revisit what he shared with us in season one. If you like that conversation, I highly recommend Chris's Main Feet episode where you can hear our previous host and pro cross-country mountain biker Kate Courtney and her take on using compartmentalization. Her tips are really useful, especially if it's a mental technique that doesn't necessarily come naturally to you. Do you already have some tips and tricks you use to deal with this? 
let us know. We're really keen to hear your thoughts. If you'd like to tell us more, please contact us at podcast at redbull.com. Thank you for listening. That's it for me and see you next time.